All right. Let's go into here. Get a little bit of this going. Okay, we're starting soon. Let me pull up the comments. What it is. Thanks for the wrench. Did you get one? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I wrenched you. Uh, yeah, I made you moderator. You're good, Brian. All right. So we're going to get started here in a second. Um, <clears throat> introduce you guys to my guests here in a second. We got Joe Nager. What's up, Joe? I know Joe, he's waiting on ice. We're all waiting on ice, but Joe's definitely waiting on ice. He's big time ice fisherman, yak angler. Let's go up here, comments. Y'all got to bear with me. It's been too long. All right, we're in. So I'm going to pull up a couple of the comments. Got them over here on the side. Looks like we got 11 people watching. I'm going to give you guys a quick. We've got Alvin from uh, um, Michigan Gone Wild. But what we're going to do first, I'm going to give you guys a little clip. Hey, there's Butlin. What up, buddy? I'm going to give you guys a little clip of... Uh, of his channel here now uh and then we'll get we'll, we'll introduce uh alvin and then we're going to talk more about uh deer hunting deer camp uh we're going to do some story sharing um we're going to talk about michigan deer hunting seasons um you know deer camp traditions them guys uh um put on an awesome they've got an awesome youtube channel and uh i I've, I've been following their content for for quite a while um but we're going to dive into it here. I'm going to share a screen with you and uh, let's go into it. Let, let's just do a little throwback here. I'm going to share this one. Michigan. Gone wild here in Michigan, where the back roads run for miles and miles oh God, with the will of a man oh and God, the heart God. of a child on Michigan gone wild. Arizona, Kansas, this is my Michigan gone wild. 
Michigan gone wild. It's 2017 and we're excited to bring you viewers another great deer camp episode. We have a lot of fun at deer camp every year. It's a huge tradition, not only in our family, but around the area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Time for a break. We've had the pleasure of bringing two years of deer camp viewers and each of them were a tremendous success. My brother won one of the largest buck poles in the area that we get to host every year at the Elkhorn. And we've been able to show Joe getting his first Michigan buck. First Michigan buck. First Michigan buck. Most importantly, we've had the opportunity to bring viewers a slice of what deer hunting means to us as a show and as a community. All right, so that's just a small peek at uh, Alvin's channel. Um, let's, without further ado, let's bring him on. Add him to the stage here. There he is. Can you hear me? I got you, man. I got you loud and clear. So All right. um, before we get started, um, if you guys enjoyed that little clip, I hope it worked out good because I'm knocking the dust off this live stream thing. I ain't done one since like last winter, so uh a little probably a little bit of a hiccup here and there but um hopefully it played hopefully it wasn't too loud hopefully it worked out good but <laughs> i wanted to say i just wanted to let everybody know that your guys's channel is one of the main reasons i started uh you know i grew up always wanting to film hunting and i always toyed around with it but actually to start actually uh doing it filming hunting fishing and then uploading it and uh just wanted to let you know that uh you were one of my biggest inspirations of doing it i think i came across like one of the deer camp videos and i was like man this is just badass like i want to i want to do this because i feel like i have a, a really cool camp with unique personalities you know and all that and uh um i wish you know everybody i know a lot of people i talk to that do this type of stuff they wish they had started a long time ago and uh it's one thing i wish i would have done but uh now that I'm doing it, man, I just enjoy the hell out of it. So, um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Alvin. Where, where are you located? I know Northern Michigan. I get kind of confused. I don't know if it's like uh, Indian River, if it's uh, Vanderbilt, or where you're at up there. Yeah, uh, so I'm located in Vanderbilt, actually. I was born and raised in Vanderbilt. Um, I've bounced around, lived in a couple different areas. Uh, but, yeah, I was born and raised here in Vanderbilt, and I'm back here in Vanderbilt. Okay. And when did you guys, when did you start uploading to YouTube? Now, I noticed some unfamiliar, so I mean, there's familiar faces, unfamiliar faces. That was a throwback. That was going back to 2016, yeah. <laughs> that, that particular <laughs> video clip. 
Yeah, that was a little adventure back to uh, memory lane there. Um, I always like kind of like looking back on my work like that. And actually, we so we started in 2014. And I'll be the first to admit I knew nothing about video editing, nothing right. about cameras. You know, I just I knew that I really liked doing what I did. And I kind of wanted to tell my story. And, you know, everyone everyone has their own reasons for going outdoors, whether they're a hunter, angler, both different species that they want to target, you know, and they enjoy that. I really enjoyed, I, you know, everything that Michigan has to offer. I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I haven't put all of it on film, obviously, but uh, number one would probably be our, our deer hunting, our deer camps, our rifle camps. Those are, you know, pretty special to us. Um, it's a big thing, not only with my family, my friends, but also as a community. I mean, schools shut down. I mean, you name it. I mean, mm -hmm. It's a, it's a lot like every other, everywhere else in Michigan. Um, you know, this is just our little spin on it and what we do and, you know, kind of the things that we enjoy about it. Yeah. 2014 started. And so that's uh, almost 10 years almost actually. 10 years. Uh, and today I got a notification from YouTube. Today's actually my third year anniversary. Is um, it? Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty cool. I didn't realize how fast time goes by when you're doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I started with ice fishing and I, I occasionally like once or twice a year, I go back to that first video and watch it, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. just funny. Cause I was the same way. I don't know. And I still to now, I mean, I learn new, uh, I learn new stuff with editing and, and trying, you know, cause when you're trying to produce, when you're trying to produce a cool video, you all, there's always missed opportunities or this or that. And there's, you know, it's, for me, I learned to not be perfect, but just to be, make it good enough and then upload yeah. it, you know, cause if I, if I wanted perfection, man, I'd never get it. Yeah. You got to start somewhere, you know, I mean, yep. that's, uh, and I know, and I remember when you first reached out to me, you know, I, you're, you're sending me some of the videos and stuff. And like, I mean, I look at it as like, I know when I first started out, I'd reach out to people as well. And a lot of people wouldn't even give you the time of day, you know, they'd say, right. Oh, you got 200 subscribers. I'm not even going to respond to you. I right. would. I'd, I'd respond to everyone. You know, if people get a hold of me, they want to talk deer hunting, bear hunting, you know, yeah. videos, filming, all that. I don't know. Like, I, I may not always respond immediately, but eventually mm -hmm. I'm going to because I always believed in, like, not only not only being a part of the community, but also growing the community. You know, the more people that you have in this community, whether it be, you know, just the hunting or, or just the fishing or both. You know, you're going to have uh, you're going to start to grow an audience and people are going to start picking up on, you know, what you're saying, what you're doing. And then they're also going to kind of correlate that with what other people are doing. And as you're kind of growing, you know, you're, you're also having other people grow with you. And then, you know, you kind of make connections with people who are maybe a little bit further down the road with you. They help you help pull them up or, you yeah. know, they help pull you up. And then, you know, it's 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 networking is what it really is. But, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember reaching out to a lot of people and a lot of, like I said, a lot of them wouldn't even give you the time of day. And right. it's people that I, people that I talk to almost on a weekly basis now, you know, right. now they're like, Oh, okay. You know, you're, you're there. So, okay, we'll, we'll talk mm -hmm. to you now. Right. And, but that's part of the process. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And some of the people in the comments, like I actually met through social media and stuff and um, developed a friendship, you know, are some of my better friends now, you know, that I talk, like you're saying, I talk to on a daily basis and, um, 
it's really developed some friendships that I never otherwise would have had. Right. Right. Um, so it's cool. And, and the thing about that is, you know, you're already up into, uh, you're, you're into the same type of stuff, you know, like Brian, uh, the Michigan fisherman, he keeps popping up here. Uh, him and I actually went, we met up, we were both heading to our deer camp. Uh, he hunts up by Harbor beach. I hunt around Minden city mm. and we were both heading to our deer camp the same day. And, uh, I'm like, Hey man, let's go to Harbor beach and try for steelhead. Cause I heard they're in the Marina there. So he actually stopped at a bait shop on his way up, grabbed some spinner baits and shit. We ended up catching like, we caught like four or five steelhead. He caught like a, probably a 40 inch Northern. Oh, <laughs> it was, shit. it was awesome. So, and I had caught a muskie. I caught a muskie that Monday morning cause I had the whole week off, but I wanted to hang out around the house for a couple extra days. So I went muskie fishing Monday, caught one, caught one Monday morning. Went up and caught steelhead. I was like, man, I'm having I'm having a great start to my week off here. <laughs> yeah, ain't nothing to complain about there. No. So here's another one. This is bearded dad fishing. So he lives, uh, this is my buddy Jay. He lives out in Pennsylvania. Um, and I exactly what he says. We've never met, but we talk daily, which yeah. is cool. It's it's just one of them things where uh and he's a YouTuber too. He uploads on here and, and does social media so we can bounce ideas off each other and shit like that, and it's cool. Cause sometimes you need that, you know, like for me, like we help, like he's got a thumbnail question or something. Well, what would you change with this? So I just give him, you know, it's honesty. Right. And, uh, yeah, Jay's a good dude. He's got a good channel. So let's, let's, let's get right into it. How was your guys harvest this year up there? Way down from last year. Yeah. Way down. I think last year we had. Well, out of 17 hunters, we shot, I think it was 22 deer total. And I want to say 11 or 12 of those were bucks. This year, out of 17 people, we shot two, four bucks. Two okay. were shot on the last day of the season. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. A lot of, I saw, actually this morning, I was sitting there drinking coffee and I got a picture of a half rack buck um one that was really really good in the season and i was gonna go after him in muzzleloader season but i got a picture of him again and uh he's, he's broken off on his left side so really i'm like well i'm not gonna harvest him if he's already you know broken off it's good that he made it through the season he'll be bigger next year hopefully but yeah last year our deer they especially in this area we don't have any any agriculture so it's a lot of it is uh a lot of it is acorns or browse that they're relying on. Well, last year we didn't have any acorns. There was none. Really? Um, yeah, there was. And so the deer, they, you know, they had, they went into the winter poor and they came out even poor. And on top of it, we had a, a pretty bad winter. Um, I wouldn't say it was long, but it was brutal. You know, when we mm -hmm. did get snow, we got a bunch of it. When it was cold, it was cold, like in the single digits for a week straight. And it was just like, oh my God, give these deer a break, you know, right. and. Even throughout all the trail cameras, you know, throughout summer, you know, velvet season, even a lot of the cameras that I put out during for elk, I noticed that these these deer, I mean, three and a half, four and a half year old deer, they're still only sporting a 90 to 110 inch rack. And I'm like, this is going to be a rough year. Usually you can you can identify a mature, more mature deer typically on their rack size. That's usually the first indication that a lot of people will look at, obviously. And but then you kind of convert to the body. Well, these deer, they're so malnourished, you know, it's, uh, it took a toll on them and it carried over into the spring and the next, you know, next year's antler growing phase. 
But there's no worry about that this year because we did a complete 180 and now there's acorns everywhere. It's like walking on gravel. Right. So they're going to be – next year should be a really, really good year. Um. And now, so like acorns, that's that's like you're hunting big woods. So that's your main forage yep. that you're hunting. So now yep. where I'm at, so where I grew up hunting and where I still hunt. So I, I live in Lake Orion. So I hunt around here, the public land pieces, you know, occasionally. I actually have 900 acres right behind my house that is archery only. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's, a, it's a park. So people are walking dogs and riding bikes, you know. And yeah. there's big bucks in there. I've got them on camera. But I'm, it's it's uh oak tree bonanza down here so it's yeah. it's a lot of like early season trying to find one that's dropping to where they're going to because they they live and and breed and everything in here they don't they have no reason to leave right um, there's probably plenty but, of does in there and everything for them mm-hmm. yeah. but up in the thumb now it's all corn soybeans hay fields all that stuff and this year uh the corn was there was tens of thousands of acres of corn still standing yeah uh, for deer season and it's still standing right now and it's pretty um, tough to get them to come out of that corn because not only is it good food but it's also good bedding they'll hide great yeah they won't come out right um so joe nager had a question why do you feel the numbers are down so much um must be on the harvest for you guys up there yeah i think uh you know uh, the amount of food that's out there with acorns the deer didn't have to move i actually saw the most deer this year that i'm seeing probably the last two years combined i saw a bunch of deer i passed a bunch of bucks um you know the last couple of years I, I i think the bucks that i was killing i mean they were like you know sixes and seven points they're two and a half year old deer i mm-hmm. i went into it i was like you know what i'm not I'm not killing those bucks. I don't, I have dozens of those in a crate in my dad's garage. I said, I don't need them. I don't have anything to prove to anyone. I wanted to set out and I wanted to kill a four and a half year old deer. And I never not once saw a four and a half year old antlered deer this year. Um, and it, you know, it was, uh, and not on camera or nothing. I, I had maybe, I think maybe two on camera, but they weren't very good pictures. Um, you know, most of them are on runways, so you're getting blurry pictures and stuff. And, you know, I had a lot of them on the on the DH3 mock scrapes that I've been putting out. And, you know, those were good. I actually had quite a bit of deer coming into those, um, but it wasn't anything consistent. Like, uh, I couldn't get a, you know, a second look at them. Like, okay, here's this deer there, here, you know, for five different days. You get a good look at them and say, okay, that's the one that I want to spend my time on. So I actually bounced around quite a bit. I think... On opening day, I hunted the same stand all day. I saw a little, you know, like a year and a half, maybe two and a half year old eight point at 830 in the morning. And uh, off he went. I didn't see a deer the rest of the day. I think I saw one deer the next day. And then I went back to that stand on the third day and I saw another two and a half year old buck. He was real tall, you know, but he was, you know, he just didn't have the tine length or anything. And it was just a seven point as well. So I said, okay. all right, well, I'm just completely getting out of this area. And I went almost 60 miles away. And I kind wow. of started kind of started focusing on different areas because I'm like, all right, well, where I'm getting trail camera pictures and of these deer, you know, the, the pressure changed so much from, you know, from when I went to Ohio in the first week of November to when I showed up, you know, getting ready for rifle season. You know, you got a lot of people in the woods scouting, a lot of people getting their stands ready. They're making commotion. You got a bunch of bird hunters out there trying to get the last, you know, a couple runs in before that shuts down. And, 
you know, yeah. so everything changes and I'm, you know, I'm down in Ohio and I'm bow hunting down there and I'm seeing my cell cams back home and everything's just kind of shifting. And I'm like, here it comes, you know, I'm yeah. and you, you can try planning for that as best as you can, but um, it just never seems to work out. And for instance, I went and pulled a camera on November 13th that I had put out in like mid October and I had bucks coming into it. They were using this clear cut in order to get up into a uh, Oak Ridge. And it was pretty close to the road. That was the only issue. It was a great setup. There's a great pinch point there. I saw a bunch of deer in there when I did rifle hunt it. Um, but a couple of the big bucks that I had moving through there, uh, they didn't do it consistently. Like I'd see them once coming through a camera and maybe, you know, once through another camera that was like a half mile away. And I'm like, all right, we're, what are we doing here? You know? And then you start seeing that shift where people are coming in, they're setting up their ladder stands or their pop-up lines. That's another thing too. When I went in on November 13th is I said, I found a ladder stand like, you know, 40 yards from the tree that I had prepped to put my, my bee stand in. I'm like, Oh right. God. So I kind of saved that spot for the second week, hoping, all right, I'm not going to mess up this guy's hunting. I'll just let him do what he's got to do. Hopefully he, you know, comes in, kills a doe or a year and a half old buck, calls it good for the season. Then I can swoop in and, you know, start right. getting those bucks when the snow starts falling. But just didn't happen. And that's one thing, like, with public land, too, man. It's like, I love the opening of gun, like, even the second day. And people get, you know, nervous. Because some of the sections I hunt down here, they're they're pretty small sections. Like, but what I love about it is the fact that guys are getting up, guys are moving, guys are tracking deer and they're jumping deer. They have no clue they're jumping. And yep. a lot of the public land, you know, where I hunt is surrounded by private. So you got them guys doing their thing. But as the season goes on, it doesn't always get worse. Sometimes they do, but sometimes it only gets better because you get like, like next year, I feel like, I feel like next year is going to be really good that first full week because you're going to, the opener is on a Friday. So you're going to have guys taking Friday off, maybe even Monday, but they're going to hunt yeah. four days and then they're pretty much going to be done, but they may only hunt a day or two and fill their tags and then they're done, yeah. you know, but I've, I've killed all my, my best bucks in Michigan on, on public land, um, late season. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it, when guys give up on it, um, I don't know. That's just, it's, it's more opportunity for me. And then it's, you know, and what I like about late season is you can scout while you're out there hunting too. You can scout for future, you know, upcoming bow season the following year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think that's pretty underrated is that late season scouting phase. Mm -hmm. Now you got to keep in mind. One thing is that's the food sources, maybe the pressure or, you know, even sometimes water levels, you know, it, when you think about going into the next year, you have to look back and be like, okay, these deer were using this, but what, what, what were they using it for? Was there, you know, a logging operation going on pretty close by? Was there a bunch of acorns on a certain ridge that they, that, that may not have acorns next year and the deer will totally shift their pattern. And yep. when you can kind of, when you start picking it apart, you know, it's almost like reverse engineering. I see that the deer sign is here. Why is the deer sign here? And right. if I can either, plan ahead and you know and and you know be ready for next year if the patterns are the same or you can take that same pattern and replicate it in a totally different area you know what yeah. i mean so i think a lot of people uh they underrate that late season scouting you know while it's in season you know pick up a muzzleloader and just go like i got yeah. 
I got the saddle ready. I'm gonna, um, the latitude guys sent me a saddle that, you know, I, I kind of wanted to use, I wanted to try out being a, I'm an arborist. So I'm used to being yeah. high do tree and I've been kind of you know, pumping the brakes on that just cause I've been so weary about changing my, you know, my setup, my muscle memory, everything that I have for filming, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be new components that I'm going to have to add to that different techniques yep. of filming. And, and I know that. So I don't know. I, I ran pretty much ran the B stand the whole way through uh, archery season and rifle season, but I think I'm going to pick this up for most loader and late bow and, and really break it in and give it a try. So, so I'm familiar with the saddle. I've hunted on the saddle and, and I'm like you, I mean, I'm, I'm a lineman, so I'm, I'm used to climbing structures. I'm used to being roped off to a tree or a pole, you know, so it's, yep. it's comfortable for me to set up, break down to be up there. And what I found is that I haven't found a good platform yet. I know they've come a long way, but I like the ring of steps. So it's just, uh, it's a bunch of foot pegs on a strap and it yeah. goes all the way around the tree, 360, and then yeah. you just cinch it down. So then you can essentially position yourself. You know, if, if you want to move around to the other side of the tree, you can do it and you don't have to adjust the platform, Yeah. Uh, which is, which is pretty cool, but there is, there's pros and cons to it all. Um, like stand hunting and, and saddle, but I, I just think it's another tool, like a, another tool in the toolbox to have. And yeah. um, it's it's really nice. Like you just cl- carry in a few sticks and the rest of it's pretty uh, carries itself in. But uh, Jimbo Slice here, he's got a question for you. He wants to know your thoughts on the B stand. It's something I'd like to hear, too, because I don't have one, but I know they seem to be popular. Well, I honestly, like I, I had kind of picked my brain about a couple different things going in, because once I decide what I want to do before the season, um i kind of stick to that and which is why i probably you know didn't break out the saddle too much yet um but the b stand it afforded me the opportunity i'm a busy guy i'm a business owner i have other hobbies outside of hunting so i'm, I'm doing different things all spring summer and uh, even parts of early fall but what it allowed me to do was all my trees that that you'll see in a lot of the videos you know we're not allowed to keep our stands up year round we have to take those down and we can't, you know, put them back up until, you know, just before hunting season. So rather than, you know, going out and hanging my 8 to 12 tree stands that I normally did every year, I just had those trees ready. You know, whether I went out there and put the sticks up or, you know, the branches that I used to climb some of the big spruce trees, um, mm-hmm. they were already all set and ready to go. So I was, I was going out there, you know, climbing the tree, whether it be 35, I mean, a couple times I was 50 feet up in the air this year. You but- hunt a mile up there. Yeah. yeah, I do. <laughs> <You> do. <Yeah. laughs> a lot of people ask me too. you know, I'll post a picture and I, and they'll be like, well, how high up are you? And I'll be like, oh, it does. It's not that high. It's only like 40 feet. And then I got to remember, yeah. I'm like these, some of these people, they're not used to climbing, you know, they don't, you know, that, the you know, most people aren't comfortable getting over 20 feet, but you know, I right. can uh, obviously doing what I do in a profession. I, you know, I don't mm-hmm. mind it nearly as much. I'm used to it. And I'm sure you're very similar, but the, the biggest advantage of it is, is, is being able to see, you know, and we hunt yeah. a lot of clear cuts. So, you know, rather than having a clear cut where you have to have a couple open lanes at, at 20 feet up, you know, you get up higher, you're shooting over that stuff. Now you're, you know, you, the risk of hitting a branch and maybe hitting an animal in a non-lethal way, or maybe a lethal way where you're not going to find it. That's greatly decreased because you, you're not shooting, you know, through nearly as much brush. So right. it definitely does help, but yeah, having the B stand, I mean, I mean, I think it, God, I, I got light stands. I got a couple of them that I've purchased over the years. They were pretty light, but, uh, 
this one, I mean, I'm a tall guy. I'm six foot three. So I, I need leg room and this That's thing. Same I, with me. Yeah. I can yeah. sit in it all day. It's, it's, it's perched up a little higher, you know, so that way okay. I'm, I'm kind of, I don't have to like, you know, push myself to get up, you know, it's almost like I'm ready just to kind of just stand up right out of the chair. So yeah. that helps, um, you know, but I know we go down to Ohio, I'm sitting, you know, sun up till sundown, but right. the biggest thing was getting used to, cause I hunted out of the summit climber for a long time. So I had to kind of get used to setting up in the morning with sticks. And, uh, once I, you know, once I had all my trees figured out and everything, and, you know, I kind of knew what to expect going into it. No, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how advanced some of these products are getting and how how you know how light they are. I mean, I throw that thing on my back. <coughs> Excuse me. I throw that thing on my back. I did a couple mods to it to where I can just, you know, clip my backpack to it with a carabiner, tighten down the strap, and off I go. Yeah, I think yeah. the B stand's only like six pounds. I think six point eight. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's. It's the lightest thing. I remember when I first picked it up, um, my buddy Kevin Vistas in there with the Deer Hunter podcast, he had a collective and we went down, we hung it hanging out with them guys. And um, I picked up that I, I walked right over the table and I picked that stand up and I'm just like, God, take my money. <laughs> I'm like, this yeah. thing is so freaking light. It's it's insane. But uh yeah, I mean, you see a lot of companies that's kind of moving towards this trend where it's everything is so light. You know, now yeah. you got, you know, the latitude guys are coming out with this, you know, the carbon sticks and I put my hands on those and let me tell you, Lucas, oh my yeah. God, take my Just, money. Really? You know? Yeah. I still, it, I'm still climbing with the Hawk sticks, which are, which, you know, yeah. I like them, but, um, and I, I know use that, those too. Yeah. Those okay. are great sticks, but like. You know, you just, I, I don't know, I don't, pretty soon we're going to have like sticks that are like under a pound. We're yeah. going to have tree stands that are sub five pounds. And it's just like, all right, yeah. how are we doing this? Right. So. And I know, I know Dan, he, when he talks about the stand, he, that's one thing he talks about is the height of the seat. Cause he's, a, I, I got to meet Dan. Um, He came up him, um, Mario and uh, uh Rick, they came up to uh, Orton or Clarkston. Okay. Was either Clarkston or Ortonville. But they came up and he did just a, a kind of a group get together at the VFW hall. And uh, I got to meet him there and I realized how big of a duty actually is oh, you know, yeah, compared to me. Cause I'm, I'm six foot two, six foot three as well. And I'm just like, I think he's taller than I am. If I remember right from the picture I got with him, but yeah. uh, I know he talks about that, the height of the seat and how easy it is to get stood up yeah. and to make a shot or something out of the stand. Yeah. It's definitely made for a tall person or even if you're, even if you're, you know, like shorter, like you're going to have a bunch of platform space. Yeah. And the, I guess the only thing that um, some people were kind of worried about was a little bit of the, the stand flex, but I mean, that stuff's it, it's, it's barely anything. And I weigh 240 pounds. So, I mean, okay. Yeah. So yeah, Jimbo, it sounds like it's worth it. So what are those like 500, 600 bucks or something for the B stand? I think it's like, yeah, it's just over six, something like okay. that. Well, yeah. and it's, it's, so it's like this, so I'm going to, I'm going to say it like this. So it's, it's something that you're going to invest in, but you're going to have it a long time. It's like, I, I, yeah. I broke down and bought a fishing net for musky fishing specifically for now I use it for other things, but I didn't want to lose a fish of a lifetime. Cause I'm trying to yeah. half ass it with a, with a smaller basket net, yeah. so I, you know, it was like $180 net, but I'm like, you know, I'm going to have this for a long time and Cause I still see guys when I go down there to fish, they're using these half-ass nets. And I'm like, dude, like you, you're gonna, 
you're going to screw it up and it's going to, it's going to, as much as you spend in musky gear, musky fishing is it's 30 bucks a bait, no matter how you slice it. And then, you know, a heavy, a heavy rod, hundred pound braid, $300 reel, you know, all this stuff you throw into it and you're going to just bring out a $25 net. It's like, no, yep. just spend an extra 150 cause you're going to have the net a long time. Yeah. You know, I mean, you compare it like that. Now it is not a, it's not a one-time thing. No, no. And you'd be able to use it for other shit too. So that's where I was kind of getting at. I'm like, it, it's, it's a, it's a great investment. I know my buddy, uh, Brian on here, he just went and bought one cause he's been doing a lot of steelhead fishing in marinas and off break walls. And you got to have that extended handle and you got to yep. have a bigger basket to get them in there. Yeah. I always um, see people using those long ones to net Cisco's when I'm going out of Charlevoix for Lake Trout and Salmon. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I wanted one cause I like to uh, fish a Detroit river and sometimes it's just easier to go. It's just easier to go from the bank, you know, just cast yeah. from the shoreline when they're, when the night bite kicks on and uh, to have that long handle. Cause I mean, really don't get me wrong. I like launching a boat or fishing from the kayak or doing this, but if I can just roll up and cast from the shore and do just as good i mean it's just a lot less headache a lot less time involved and less to worry about yeah yeah exactly so he's got another question here let's jump into that uh, hunting high how do you get away with a lot of wind or thermals or do you approach it the same as hunting 18 feet up no when i'm i i only hunt that high up when i'm rifle hunting i'm bow hunting i'm 18 to 22 feet that's the standard protocol but yeah, being up that high, you can definitely get away with a lot of your scent because a lot of the deer they're gonna walk under your scent ribbon. You know, um, when you're when you're that high up, and well, in the morning time, sometimes it'll carry further, right? <coughs> Excuse me. In the evenings, obviously your thermals are dropping, um, but it's not you know it's not that bad. But yeah, it's I've had deer where they were immediately downwind from me, and other than maybe smelling my spit from chewing tobacco, I don't. You know, right. most of them, they just, they keep walking right through. Yep. So, so we went down to Ohio. It's funny. My brother is on here. And then a buddy of mine, uh, Andrew Butlin. So a group of us, we wanted to try the Ohio gun season, right? We were just trying something different. So um, I have gone down there a few years and, and rented a cabin uh, from this dude. Uh, we will hunt the Wayne National Forest, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so guys got cabins around there. So we'd rent a cabin from them, you know, and then bow hunt. But we wanted to try the gun season. So we go down, we go down in the, I'm trying to remember now, if we went in the summertime, I want to say we went in the summer or uh, maybe early fall and we went and scouted and we went and scouted spots that I had previously hunted. And then we wanted to check new spots. We stayed for a weekend. Yeah. And then we went down a couple days before gun season because the gun season there is the first Monday after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yep. So we're like, screw it, let's do it. So a group of us went down and we're on hot sign. I mean, we're walking miles scouting and we're pumped. And uh, the thing about the Wayne National Forest is, which we didn't know at the time, is that everybody can drive four wheelers around. That <laughs> and dude, I, I mean, I'm hiking in, right? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm on great sign going in. And uh, opening morning was a downpour the, whole, the, the entire day, it, it downpoured. But I get back there and it's like, all of a sudden I hear this, I could hear what sounded like a four wheeler coming. And I mean, literally, um, drove right past me, you know? And I'm like, cause I, I wasn't too far off the trail, but I didn't know they left them open for uh firearm season. I thought maybe they, they closed them, yeah. you know, but no, I mean, dudes are rolling around with, with shotguns draped over their lap, just cruising around. Oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I ain't doing this again, man. Like, now I will go back bow hunting because man, I've come across in the Zaleski State Forest, 
And then uh, the Wayne National Forest, those are two properties that we were hunting. And man, we've come in the Zaleski is rugged. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it's not Colorado rugged, but in, in terms of hill country and, and trying to get in somewhere nobody else might be, that's, that's a really good spot. And those Zaleski State Forest, there's no four wheelers. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ohio's, yeah. Ohio's just a whole different animal. It is. It, it, it's insane. It, you know, you come, you come from Michigan where you got to hunt so hard, you know, just to come up with a good deer. And then you go down to Ohio and you're just like completely spoiled. And you're just like, why, how, how is it so different? You know? Yeah. And, and everyone's got their own opinion on why that could be. I've got a few certainly, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's definitely a breath of fresh air coming from Michigan and then going down there and you're just like, okay, deer hunting is still fun. It's not a total yeah. headache, you know? No, no. And the, the only time I've experienced what everybody wants to experience as, as the rut was in Ohio. And I was in, it was like November 4th and yeah. I was in a section of woods where there was one hot doe and every buck in the square mile knew it yeah. and they were dogging her. And I mean, it was year and a half old two and a half three and a half four and a half and i mean just one single doe and that's there's so much i mean we could talk about it for days buck to doe ratios this that um what what you know one buck rule type of things that they have down there but i've never experienced a rut like that in michigan now i've had bucks come in grunting this and that see bucks fighting um you know stuff like that but i've never experienced like that is like it's just like, where did this deer come from? Where did that one come from? And now these two are fighting and this one's taking the dough over there. It's like, this is like, this is like a fucking video game, yeah. you know? Yeah. This is the um, stuff you hear about only in articles. Yes. And so my brother put a comment, Stein and I uh, got a nice eight point walk in the hills. So, and that's what, that's what we found to produce the best during Ohio gun season. Cause we had marked a lot of spots off the road. Yeah. And what we started doing was we just started going hunting in groups of two. And we were just doing little mini drives. Like we'd take a finger off the road that, that went back and, and came to a point and we'd just take yeah. two sides and just kind of slowly go through and push it to the end. And he shot, they shot an eight point doing that. I shot, I don't know, ended up being a pretty small buck. And then I ended up getting a doe. Um, and I think, I think we ended up with three deer that year. Um, but it was, deer. it was, it wasn't what we were anticipating, right? Like we were all like jacked and ready to go. Like this is going to be the best hunt ever. And then all these quads start showing up and dudes are just rolling around all day long. And everywhere I thought nobody would be, there was boot tracks in the snow. I'm like, man, this is, you know, it just beat me up. Yeah, we still ended up getting a few. Yeah, but it was a quad army out there. And that's the thing. It's just like, there's no point going there gun season unless you're just going to, you know, join, join them, you know, and just, just hop on a quad and just go ride around and maybe try to push them around a little bit. Uh, that, or you can get a good private chunk to go on, but if you're only hunting public land, I tell people all the time, like I wouldn't even waste your time going in gun season. Mm -mm. Um, I've known a few people go down for muzzleloader season. They just, they don't even, it's like deer don't even exist down there because they're just all hiding. But, uh, yeah, bow season, it's always been good for us. You know, the first week in November, we always, that's, that's always the week that I go down to Ohio. Yep. Um, so let's see here. Uh, Joe, is that, or no, Jace, a bow hunt, Ohio near Athens, private land next to the Wayne and the dude, the Wayne, I don't know what public land you guys hunt, but the Wayne is, it's phenomenal. It's huge. It's, it's gnarly. It's rugged. It's, it's, it's fucking crazy. The thorns, everything else down there. 
Everything um, has a thorn down there. Yeah. That's yeah, why I, I used... kudos to you. You're brave for going down there in the middle of the summer and doing some scouting because I don't go down there. I've been hunting down there since 2016, and I yep. do not go down there uh, <laughs> unless it's like March. That's it. Anytime we've gone scouting down there, we go in March. Other people would be like, you know, guys that camp, but why don't we just go down in like June or something? I'm like, you can have, you can go down there whenever you want. I said, I'm not going down there unless it's March. Right. That's just not going to happen for me. I'll put up a cell cam. Um, put up well, and that's what we did. We, we did yeah. end up hanging some cell cams, which I had one stolen from me. Um, I actually got a picture of the dude before it happened. And uh, I, I put it on an Ohio uh, Deer Hunters Facebook page, whatever. And everybody on there knew exactly who it was. Really? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, this is so-and-so. He's he's a he's a fucking thief and this and that. And, it, like, it doesn't Sounds like surprise an idiot me. if he's stealing yeah. a cell cam that he's not going to be able to use. Yeah, and he did. And, uh, dude, I, I went and knocked on their door. Like, we went down there and I found it because I had Onyx, right? So I, yeah. I, I found out who it was prior to going down there. And I found out right around the corner, somebody with the same last name. So I went and knocked on their door. And this was COVID was happening real bad, right? So yeah. it was 2020. And I went and knocked on his door. And it was his uncle's place. And uh, his aunt or grandma, somebody came to the door and I asked for him. He's like, no, he's here, but he's got COVID or whatever. And then um, then my messages on Facebook started blowing up because the guy knew I was looking. And he tried telling me I had it on private land, which I didn't. I had it right on the edge of the private and the public, actually into the public a little more. Yeah. But I was getting pictures of nice deer. And then I got a picture of him and then all the pictures stopped. So yeah. when we went down there prior to gun opener, I'm like, okay, so that dude stole it. One dude took a, the one guy took a, uh, he left my camera alone, but he took the SD card out. Yeah. That was the other cell cam I had down there. I've had that happen before. Yeah, which, which whatever. Yeah, yeah. You want to do that? Go ahead. Just take the. Just yeah. leave my camera alone. You know, because yeah. we're all uh, essentially we're all doing the same thing, right? We're all we're all down there deer hunting. We're all trying to. We all got the same end game, right? So it's like yeah. just just walk past my shit and leave it alone. If you want to moon it or do something stupid, go ahead. <laughs> but it's like just leave it. And I still I do the old you know hang them up high and yeah. then point them downward, you know. So so they're up in the air and they so still work really good though. Did he have to climb the tree to get that one? That one, no, because I didn't have it that high. But since then, that's what I do now. Is that I just I just hang him up high. Yeah, I'll go I'll go like a stick up, you know, and then hang him. You ever uh, your cameras that like quit working? Either they break or something. Like I ever get a camera that a bear chews on it and it's not working. You know, it doesn't work anymore. I'll put them up in random locations that people walk in on, just yeah. to show other people that someone else is hunting in that area. Okay. So I keep, I, 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 you know, you got to play the game up here. There's little tricks and, and stuff you can do to kind of let people know, Hey, there's going to be someone in here. You may not want to waste your time or right. you know, little stuff like that. But I've also set it up for, um, Oh, like know, a camera. decoy camera. Yeah. yeah. Decoy. Well, a lot of nice. people do that. A lot of people do that with tree stands, you know, and you can get away with that. But like I said, I didn't even want to put up tree stands to hunt, you know? So, right. You know, if I put them out somewhere like, let's say, two, three hundred yards, but, you know, in front of around the, you know, before I get to my spot, you know, it kind of tells people like, oh, someone's probably hunting back here because I've ran into people, too. You know, I'll go be going back to a spot and then you run into someone. You're like, oh, man, you, you feel terrible. I actually did it this year. I was I was going into a spot. It was up in the hills and I'm walking in. I have um, I have uh, I have 
Onyx or Spartan Forge that I use, but I use I leave glow tax at the trees that I have prepped for you know climbing up, you know. And like this is a good one. You can see that lane, that lane, that lane. You know, I put glow tax in it so I can find it in the dark. And I don't glow tack to it, I just glow tack the tree. I'm mm -hmm. walking into it, I come right down this bedding point, and all of a sudden I hear someone saying, Hey, hey, and I'm like, I'm looking around like Where's this guy at? I know someone's talking to me. And all of a sudden I look, I can see my glow tax about 30 yards away. It's pitch black out and snow's coming down. And he's standing right next to the tree. And I was like, oh man, I'm sorry. I was like, I didn't see a truck parked. I don't even know where you came from, you know? And he's like, well, who, well, who are you? I said, I'm the guy that put those glow tax in that tree. Oh, I'm just hunting on the ground. I said, no worries. You're here first. I'll move on, you know? But right. it was, yeah. But yeah, little instances like that. It's like, you know, in order to avoid those, you know, you kind of put something out just to give people the hint, like, hey, someone might be here. You know, if you don't want to waste your time, don't waste my time. You know, there's a trail camera there. Maybe there's an orange ribbon or something. Or, hey, there's glow right. tag in a tree and a perfect diamond. You may not want to be there because someone may want to come hunt that tree. Right. You know, but it's, you know, it's back to what, you know, everyone always says that hunts public land. It's public land. It's public to everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing you can kind of do is like leave little hints to people like, hey, someone might be hunting here, you know. Right. So, so let's uh, let's do a little uh, storytelling. Sure. I had a bunch of topics wrote down here. Um, now I've got I've got some stories to tell, um, but I'm going to start with you. So let's jump into. Uh, now, it doesn't have to be this year. It can be okay. years past, but so, so like deer camp to you is a big thing, right? And it's a big thing to me. Like now I'm a bow hunter through and through. Right. But the whole deer camp, uh, firearm gun season, the tradition, all that stuff to me is, is, is what it's about. Right. Like there's, there's no better place on earth than a deer camp on November 14th. Right. Just, just hanging out, shooting the shit, playing Euchre, uh, having some drinks, storytelling, yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, the storytelling for what everybody's, you know, going to do the next morning, like, oh yeah, I got, you know, we got this one on camera or this or that. And, um, you know, I had it, my plan this year was just to go in and, and was meat hunting 100% cause I hadn't, I've been elk hunting. So I'm like, ah, I haven't needed to kill a deer in a couple of years. I'm like, dude, I shot like last year I shot two elk. So I'm like, I have no reason <laughs> to shoot a deer. I gotta be, I'm going to be super selective here. Um, but so this year for me, it was like, I want a decent buck or a doe and uh, I ended up getting a decent buck, took the hide off the back of a doe opening morning. Um, you know, whatever that shit happens. But, um, so for you, what, what's one of the most memorable harvests during the deer camp season, whether it's, if it's in one of your videos, if not, um, if you got, a, if you, you don't even got to have a rack, even if it's a doe or something, but you got like a most memorable harvest. Oh man. <clears throat> so from the deer camp, huh. I'll tell you what, the most memorable harvest, uh, that probably meant the most to me was, wasn't even a deer that I killed. Um, I'll share that story. So I believe it was 2016. Um, my dad who, you know, raised me to be an outdoorsman, a woodsman, you know, to understand how, you know, the woods works, you know, and, he uh he's a paraplegic so he's a, you know he's in a wheelchair hunts from a golf cart when he you know he, he doesn't hunt very much anymore but at that time he was you know he was hunting so he uh 
went out one night. I think it was like maybe the third or fourth night, and and he shot a buck. Of course, if it doesn't drop right there, he can't do anything about it. We got to come back and and we have to track it and get it, you know, because obviously he can't get out of the out of the wheel out of the golf cart. So it, he did. He shot one, and then it was the next day. I went out and it only ran like I think maybe like sixty yards. Uh, coyotes got into it a little bit, but it wasn't it wasn't anything bad. They just stretched the you know the the bullet entry and exit. That was pretty much about it to get to the guts. Is what they usually do. But it was a, it was a very memorable hunt for for me because you know my dad has always been a huge inspiration for me. He's you know he's been he's been confined to a wheelchair since I was nine months old. Um, you know, a, a pile of logs, he was a logger pile of logs rolled on top of him, And, Damn. you know, he never, never let that stop him from being a good dad. Never let them stop, you know, stop him from, you know, taking us out in the woods, playing catch with the football, uh, you know, teaching us the things that me and my brother uh, would eventually learn and, you know, maybe pick up and then make, you know, better on our own, you know, or he gave us a good starting point, I guess I should say. And, Maybe it, it wasn't, and it was only a little four corn four point, but he was, you know, he was tickled pink about it. And yeah. it just kind of brought everything full circle where you know, I remember him taking me out and, and setting up my first brush blind that I could hunt out of. And I killed my first buck out of it when I was 14. And so for me to be able to go out there and, and, and recover that deer for him, you know, and bring it back to him and see the smile on his face. And we put that on our deer camp episode. That was, I that, seen that, that one. Yeah, I was that, gonna that, say as you were telling the story, I'm like, man, I feel like I've seen this. Like yeah. I, I, I'm, I remember watching this. Yeah, that one meant the most to me, and it wasn't even my kill. I, you know, that one, that one really, uh, it, uh, it's a, I guess the, the reason why it's so memorable for me is a culmination of of everything coming in full circle. He was the one that taught me to do everything, and and you know to. Uh, whether whether it be about hunting, fishing, or about life in general, not giving up, just you know, staying persistent and keeping going. You know, do do your best, and even if your best isn't good enough, you have to learn to accept that. You know, and and take what you've what you've learned and become better for the next season, for the next time you encounter a, a, an issue or a challenge. And you know, it just it, it meant a lot to me. I've always looked at hunting as more of a metaphor towards life, and you know what yeah. uh, we can do to, you know make hunting more personal for ourselves. You know, it isn't about right. the rack or isn't, you know, it no. isn't a, yeah, it isn't, a, it isn't even about, you know, killing them yourself. You know, sometimes, no. it, you know, when you can draw certain correlations from hunting and into everyday life, that's what, uh, that's the story that I like to tell. And I think I've, I've done my best that I could do in, in the nine years we've been doing this and telling that story that it's not about the kill. And I've said it on film before that, you know, I, I've, had nice eight points walk past me and i'm like i'm not killing that buck because that'd be just another kill on film and i'm not gonna do that that's because right. I, I believe that it should mean something more i mean hunting is a very special uh opportunity to express you know uh a very primitive inner part of ourselves with each individual you know yeah. i mean this is thousands of years of evolution and we're still channeling those, you know, that, that primal instinct into everyday life. And I like to use yeah. hunting as a metaphor to do that and to tell a story. Exactly. And, and people that don't hunt and, and I guess come across some videos and stuff, or even on like uh, Instagram and stuff like that. Some of the videos I put on there and you could tell they're anti hunters that comment. And I just delete them because 
I don't, I'm, I'm, I understand like some of my stuff gets red flagged and then I'm pretty sure I get shadow banned from a lot of these. Cause yeah. some of the, some of the dudes that follow me, they're like, you, I never see any of your posts pop up and it, it's, it's always during hunting season. But, um, the thing of it is it's, it's more than like you're saying the whole, the story you just told it's, it's more than just the overall harvest. The harvest is the cherry on top. It's the memories leading up to it's the memories that are made even if it's by yourself in the woods, you know, lessons that are learned just sitting there. And that's another reason I really like going to Colorado because I go literally off the map for seven, eight days and, and it's me in the mountain and it's, it's a whole different thing than deer hunting. You know, elk hunting is a lot of listen, look, find sign, track them down, chase them down. And it's like, you're, you're not a level playing field, but you're, you're in there that you're their home field right and you're tracking them down but it's like this is the colorado rockies i'm in the middle of them chasing elk down with a rifle by myself now there's usually a group of us but we split up yeah you know and it's just a cool feeling and then when you come across one it's like oh my god <laughs> there it is you know and it's but it's it's emotional too at the same time like it's 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 like you put so much work and effort into it and then when it happens it's like dude i just traveled across the country and uh got dropped off because we do like packing camps you know the drop camps yeah got dropped off left for dead and just with you know here's your rifle here's a place to sleep and this and that and i go hunting and if you get one give me a call you know? good luck <laughs> yeah and it's it's the coolest feeling though when it happens and then the celebration of it and people people that don't hunt i mean they just don't get it and and that's fine but i just wish people wouldn't say things when they don't have an like you, you don't like people like you and I have more respect for wild game and the animal and their lives than any non hunter ever would, you yes. know? And that's, that's the part that pisses me off the most about it. So I try not to let it get there, but it's like, you don't understand, like you have no clue the emotional events that happen. It's like, yeah, you're, you're taking an animal's life, but it's not like I'm out here just recklessly killing animals and leaving them for dead or something, you know? And it, right. it's, it's, it's nothing like that, but that's the image that I, you know, a lot of us paint the picture on, especially on social media, dude, it's, yeah. it's, they, they're attacking hunters and people that like to hunt and just not giving them the credit they deserve, no matter how good or bad your content is, you know, they just don't, they don't want to promote that stuff, yeah. which sucks well, because it's, it's real life shit, you know, and it's, it's how people survive and have survived yeah. for an eternity. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it, the people that uh, are very disconnected with the way that they, you know, they get their food. Um, you know, they think that you go to a grocery store and that's where you get your meat and mm -hmm. you're very, you're very, how convenient is it that you are totally disconnected from the process of killing that animal? You don't know who killed that animal. You don't know how it got there. You don't know what happened. You don't know what that animal's living conditions were nothing now. Right. And, and, and I'm not saying anything that, you know, no one else hasn't said, but you take these people out and you show them like, listen, this deer lives a fully happy, good life. Right. And then I'm, I'm going out to its home turf. It has home field advantage. Right. I have to expend copious amounts of energy. A lot of us, a lot of money in order to right. harvest this deer that pumps money into the economy that gets, you know, I mean, if you're, you're putting this out on, uh, on the internet, you know, other people are seeing that and they're like, hey, I kind of want to try that. So you're getting other people involved into it. And guess what happens when you do that? You start getting more people involved is they go buy a deer license. And what does that do? 
those funds go to helping the deer themselves. So I always tell people, if you have a problem with deer hunting, you know, or hunting in general, I say, go buy a deer license, go buy a hunting license, because that money goes directly to, you know, providing habitat, food sources, uh, or protection to those deer and, and, you know, through in the off season, you know, yeah. for poachers and stuff. So do that. You don't have to go kill them, but go, go buy a hunting license. Right. You know, and they just don't even think of that. They just sit in their home and they think, oh, why kill the deer, you know, and they'll be sitting there eating a taco from Taco Bell or something that has nitrated meat in there that was nitro frozen or whatever. They have no idea. They don't have a connection with the food source that they have in their house. They just don't. And it's sad. You know, it's I mean, and and this is a whole other topic that that you can get into. Is is about the wolves up in the UP. Yeah, that's actually, you know, and that's on my list here uh, of topics. Yeah, you can segue right into that if you want. (laughs) Holy God, I can go for days. Yeah. Uh, We got Camp Benny making an appearance. That's another channel I'd like to watch. Benny's Benny's got good stuff, man. Benny'd love to talk about the wolves in the UP. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that would make for great conversation, for sure. Um, So I'm going to tell a story quick. One One of my life lesson stories in the woods. Now, this wasn't from deer camp. Um, This was from my Ohio deer camp. And I know I kind of briefed on the story with you earlier. This one here, kind of a camera's kind of backwards. There we go. Just a mainframe 10 point, right? Yeah. I shot this one. Scoop back in. I shot this one three years ago. Um, Shot him three years ago. And the lesson, the lesson I had learned was uh now great, great buck. I'd never pass that in a hundred years. But we're going back to the Ohio and how deer hunting is is so different than it is in Michigan. Um, was hunting the rut and I hunted the first day. So so where I had hunted the first day, actually the first two days was where I killed a big buck the year before same exact tree put my climber in the same exact tree and i was seeing deer but they were up and over just a little ridge i could see the backs of them you know on Mm -hmm. some brush every now and then i'd see some deer so i said you know what i'm gonna sit here tomorrow morning and then i'm diving in i'm gonna go in a little further hang my climber well when i and i knew it was gonna be risky business but when i did it i jumped a couple does and i'm like you know what it's midday it's not the end of the world i'm gonna i'm gonna hang i'm gonna hang my climber i'm gonna climb up did that and I waited. I don't know. I think I seen like a four point come sneaking through or something. And then uh, I, I'm like, I'm going to try a rattling sequence. So I started rattling. I did it for about a minute, minute and a half, made a few grunts and I set them down. And then I hear a twig snap and I had looked, looked to my left and right. It was like what I had planned was happening. Like what I had planned in my head. I'm like, I want to set up here. That's where them does were bedded. If I make a call or something and a buck comes in to check it out, he's going to come right downwind of this brush for them doe are bedding. And it sure is shit. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Here we go. It's it's about to go down. And he was behind my tree. I drew back, got him. It was probably 30 yards. I mean, heart punched him. He ran about 50, watched him go down. And my brother, he's in here. And I remember calling him. And I was like, dude, you ain't going to believe what just happened. I'm like, it was the craziest thing ever. But as I'm on the phone with him, I'm like, I hear a twig snap and I turn around and look. And I mean, the, you know, the giant 
was, I mean, literally I shot the deer, he ran off and died. And within five minutes I had, you know, a buck of a lifetime standing at the base of my tree. Didn't see him initially. Cause what caught my eye first was this, was this 10 point, right? He caught my eye first and I'm like, I was locked in on him. Had I, I was locked in on where I wanted to make my shot, right? I kept, I had my bowl like this behind the tree and I kept looking at him, but had I just turned like this a little bit to look back, maybe I would have caught a glimpse of him and then been like, oh my God, I got like, I got to let this one walk. Cause this one, and he took a total different path and I ain't shitting you, man. I was, I had my phone out and I was filming him through the platform, of my tree standing and he was sniffing my tree. And then he looked up at me, he snorted, took two or three hops away, like a mule deer, and then just turned around and stood there. It's funny because I always talk about mule deer when I go to Colorado because they're like, they're out there. They are dumb. Like you can jump them and they just, they hop, hop, they turn and they'll just stare at you. Stop and, and look at you. Yeah, that's exactly what this one did. And then he stood there for like 10 minutes. I'm like, you know, in Ohio, one buck rule, um, which is, I think, part of the reason why they have such big ones down there. Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's multiple things that add to it, but there's, so a lesson in the woods was for me on that one was to, uh, you know, just, just cause you hear the stories, right. And I don't know if you've had that exact thing happen to you or something similar, but I've never, I've always heard the stories and I, I always was questioned to believe it. I'm like, whatever, dude, you didn't shoot one and a bigger one come in. Well, when it happened to me, I'm like, that shit does happen. All right. <laughs> I didn't know I've heard, that. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that story many a times. Uh, but so a little bit of a lesson there, just, you know, granted, I will never, if that deer walks in front of me every year, he's getting shot just cause it's, it's yeah. a perfect 10 point. And it's yeah. probably 125, 130 inches, you know, but again, you're, you're, you're traveling down there all the time you have invested money. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not, it's, I would shoot that on the last day. So if he comes in the first, second, third or fourth, he's getting it, you know, yeah. so this is kind of how I how i especially when i go out of town you know it's like i that's kind of how i take to the because because you may only have that one opportunity and it might be the first day yeah you know it's like i gotta take it you know and again it's just a perfect 10 point couldn't have been happier but couldn't have been more uh heartbroken when that big one came in right after him i was like dude you that, gotta be kidding me now that's gonna be in the back of your mind every time you go to every draw time. back on a deer you're gonna be like but is there a bigger one yeah well, at least in Ohio. Right. Yeah. Michigan, because, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that, I mean, I, maybe that would happen, but um, no, that was pretty wild. Uh, so let's see. I got a little list here. Um, so let's get into it. So we're talking about racks and this and that. And, you know, it's not all about the, it's not always all about the size of the deer, the size of the rack. Now, as we know, there's other parts of Michigan that have these uh, APRs and stuff like that. And it's already proven that they're getting bigger bucks. They're getting bigger deer. And there's always the excuse, you can't eat the horns. Just shoot a doe. Well, and then this year, Michigan DNR was basically begging people to shoot more does because now they're doing these harvest reports and they're realizing, well, everybody's just shooting bucks. Nobody's shooting does. So like, we need to get more doe shot. So not only that, but I mean, what's, if there was one thing that you could do to change the state rule, um, what would it be? Would, would, okay, so I'll give you two options. Would you rather go antler point restrictions like they've already proven to work across the state in this, the areas that they're doing it, or would you just rather see a one-buck rule, shoot whatever you want, and call it good? 
Well, you know, Luke's. I've been I've been asked this question a bunch. You know, I talk to a lot of people, probably like you do too, and it it may not be perfect, but it it almost kind of gives that uh, halfway meeting feeling. And what I would do personally, if you said today, you know, Elvin Sickevich is in charge of the deer herd in Michigan, the first thing that I would do, besides open up a freaking open season on all the wolves in the UP, yeah. Um, I would go to your combo system being two buck tags. You can kill one in archery season, have three inches or more on one side, whatever, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then your other tag is a rifle tag that if you don't fill it in rifle season, you can fill it in muzzleloader season. And that has that has is completely restricted, three or more on one side. That's what I would do because it, it allows people to listen. The reason why we have so many hunters in Michigan is because we have the amount of tags we can hunt all year long or not all year mm-hmm. long, but like, you know, from basically, from, yeah, pretty much <laughs> all year long now, yeah. but you know, the end of September, is it with, you know, if you're considering the youth hunt all mm-hmm. the way through, you know, uh, December, you know, and people, well, and, that don't and where I'm, I'm going to stop you there. And where I live right now, you can hunt all the way up to February. We have an extended season down here. Yeah. And that's, you know, and I understand there's certain areas that, uh, you know, that that require different attention. Listen, the UP, I mean, it's decimated. You ever look, you you look at the, you know, the the counts that are coming across the bridge. It's pathetic. Now, granted, there's a lot less people, um, you know, hunting, going, traveling to the UP and hunting. And in fact, we've even gotten a lot of people down from the UP coming down to hunt where we're at. Because I'm only 30 minutes from the bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, 30 minutes, I mean, I live in the perfect part of Michigan, in my opinion, because I'm an outdoorsman, I am a hunter, I'm an angler, I have, you know, two great lakes within driving distance, you know, within 45 minutes, both ends, I have the UP within 30 minutes of my house, so I, I feel like I live in the perfect part of Michigan, so I'm spoiled, but I also hear everything, I hear the complaints from people in the southern Michigan where, you know, you have very little public land, but all the public land that there is, is just totally overran. And there's, you know, gun shacks on every corner of every private property. So there's, there's a different element of frustration that hunters deal with down there. And then you start moving up here, you know, in the Gaylord area, you know, Traverse City, Alpena, Sheboygan, you know, that we we have a lot of public land. Yes. um, But it's also, it's, you know, pretty pressured, but we don't get the antler growth that say Southern Michigan gets because in this area where I live in Michigan, we get more snow than most parts of the UP last year. um, I think the ski resort here was competing with the ski resort in Marquette for the amount of snowfall we get pounded every year. and, And, you know, we're getting, snowstorms in the middle of april and even sometimes the beginning of may these deer don't have green food here so their antler growing season is you know a lot smaller than say southern michigan so that's where you start seeing a conflict between you know the way people from southern michigan would want deer managed versus people from northern lower peninsula then you go to the up and that's a whole totally different element you can have no deer up there because the wolves are eating them all and then right. you've got idiots coming out and writing articles saying, well, actually, if there's more wolves, that means more hunter success. It doesn't take a genius to realize that if you have more wolves, eventually you're going to have less deer. Right. And it's all in this whole wolf thing with them being protected. They're not they're very vague on what they're saying, what the status um, should be in order for them to be taken off. 
So it's basically up for discussion. Oh, well, you know, they need to be here. Well, it doesn't take a genius to realize that not only has the deer herd been impacted so badly in the UP due to wolves, the UP never stopped getting snow. It's been getting snow like this for thousands of years. Okay. And they had plenty of deer before. It's the wolves. And you have people that are down in Lansing, Grand Rapids, you know, that have these liberal views. Oh, we right. shouldn't shoot the wolves. They feel all nice and cozy about having wolves in the UP, not in their neighborhood eating their cats and dogs, but right. up in the UP. I know they're there, and it makes me feel good about them being up there. Meanwhile, you don't realize the property values for a lot of the properties up in the UP because it's not good for farming. I mean, maybe some timber, you know, you might have land value for that but people buy property in the up because they want to go hunting exactly they want large tracks you see immediately property values are going to start going down i've already been seeing a bunch of uh properties for sale in the up for sale for lease i see a lot of leases popping up yeah they're just doing away with it and then all these small towns that you know i love visiting when i go up there um Mm -hmm. you know they're they're basically skeletons of what they were back in the, you know, even as close as the early 2000s, because people aren't going up there to hunt anymore. So you're, you know, loving, you know, animal friend down in Lansing or Grand Rapids, they don't think Mm -hmm. about the store owner or the bar owner or the the meat processors up in the UP that rely on this type of year for uh, substantial income for the rest of the year. They don't think about that. That just right. blows right over their head. They just want the cute, fuzzy animals up there. Not not in their right. city. They want them up there. You can right. deal with them, but you're not allowed to shoot them. Okay, well, right. how do we take care of them? The best right. way is through hunting them. It always has been. Conservation is the number one way to manage any animal species there is. It's, it's I agree 100%. Enough. Let us hunters do what we do best. We kill shit. Let us do so it. Now, so now... Um... So you get so basically you're saying archery tag and rifle tag, but you can't use the archery tag in rifle season. Like you get, you basically I would, get. I would be open. Sorry for cutting you off. I would be open to the archery tag being valid for an antlerless deer in the rifle season. If okay, that, you know, I would be open to that. Yeah. But as far as uh, you know, the two buck system, you know, I don't know a lot of people that kill two bucks in rifle season as is. I haven't done it since 2012, and right. you know, I course i'm a lot more selective than i am now but different people go out in the woods for different reasons and i'm not going to judge them but you have to if you want to keep a collective of the hunting you know populace that we have here in michigan and possibly you you know limit the risk of losing them while also retaining more is you want to increase the you know the uh the odds of success you want to you know improve the experience that people are going to have and the way that's going to do that is the majority of deer are killed during rifle season. So that's the time of year you're probably going to want to protect those year and a half olds. But I right. still want to see people out there experiencing archery season and participating in that. Because every hunter that buys a license and walks in the woods and participates in it, that's a voice for us, for all of us. No matter what we agree on or disagree on, that's a voice for us. And those numbers are dwindling. And it's because the overall experience of hunting is it's getting worse with each and every year. Now, granted, that's through poor decisions that the NRC and DNR have come up with. Um, It's almost like it's designed, honestly, and I won't go there. But what I will say is something needs to be done because we're losing hunters at an alarming rate. We're not retaining any new ones. People don't travel from Ohio to go hunt Michigan. People from Michigan go to Ohio to deer hunt. And it might not be a bad thing if it was the other way. 
You know what I mean? If there was right. a reason for people to come here, but we got to right. get that figured out at a you know legislative level first, because you know we don't have we don't have people you know in office or, or whatever committee is making these decisions. They're not doing it with the best interests of, of, of future hunting generations. Yep. They're not. So There's that's no the way. first time that's the first time I've had it explained to me like that. Like um, now when I when I talk to people and, and I know you talk to a lot of people about hunting and what can we do to make it to make it you know, to make it like other states, because you, you can name off, I mean, right now I can name you a, a dozen states that have, that grow better buck populations, bigger buck populations, right? Mm-hmm. And it's always like, well, they need to, they just need to, it's either APR or one buck rule, but I've never had it explained to me like that, where you just get an archery tag and you get a rifle tag. So some guys that only uh, archery hunt or, or they only rifle hunt, you know, you're, you're essentially only getting one buck tag because that's how it, that's how it just, that's how it'll shake out. But I do like that idea. So like, if you really want to try to get two and you are an archery hunter, like a lot of people are that were born and raised here, um, you're going to want to, you're going to get your archery tag, try to fill it. If you don't, well, it was a good, great donation. And then uh, you try to get them with a, with a shotgun or a rifle. No, I like that idea. I've never, I've never had it explained to me like that, but I would, I would jump on board for that. I was always kind of, which is, in that same realm as just kind of a one buck rule, because I don't care what, I don't care if, if you want to go shoot a spike horn, because here's the thing, my life's only gotten busier. And I know you can, you can attest to this as well. Being a business owner, my life's only gotten busier the last few years. My time to hunt is, is limited. It just seems like every year that goes by, I have less time to hunt. And so it's like, I'm, of course, I'm not going to shoot the a, a spike that walks out or a four point or a small six, but I'm, I'm if I'm going hunting and I'm I'm hunting for meat because me and my family like to eat deer. I'm definitely going to be looking for a doe, um, but I'm also going to be less selective as to shooting a buck. But the, when it comes down to it, I don't care what anybody does with the money they spend on their deer tag. It's like you can shoot whatever the hell you want, whatever you can legally shoot. But there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that uh, they'll just turn their nose to people like, well, you sh- I've been watching that one. Um, so where I, I had shot that nine point this year, um, second day of gun season and the neighbor, you know, and, and I, I was, it was probably my fifth best buck in Michigan, right? I, I was breaking it down the other day. Um, probably my fifth or sixth best, best buck I shot in Michigan. And the neighbor guy had been like, oh, I had this on camera and he was showing me pictures. He's like, I let him walk in both season and this and that. And I'm like, well, that's great that you're retired and you have all this time to, just take yeah. pictures of deal while you're sitting there. But I said, I had three days to hunt this year and actually two and a half for gun season. And I said, you want to know what? It was a perfect scenario. He come in chasing does. I mean, had a shit eating grin on his face when I had him on the scope because he's, he's just horny, just chasing a doe. And I'm like, no, you don't motherfucker. You're going to get it now. And, uh, I, I was, ha- I mean, a perfect nine point. I think he was 14 inches wide, five inch tines. I don't, a guy up the road is actually doing the European mount for me or else I'd, I'd show you, but, uh, um, beautiful buck, man. Not, Good probably, Michigan buck. probably a three and a half year old, you know, he had great, great mass to him, you know, just a perfect Michigan buck. Right. Yep. And, uh, I had passed smaller ones and everything. And I'm like, you know what, this is a, and I hadn't seen other than that doe I had, uh, I gave a haircut opening morning. I hadn't seen a good enough doe to shoot either. And I'm like, well, you know, it's just, it's just the way it all, it all kind of came down to that moment. And that's one thing I've learned about just going back to filming and stuff, trying to film 
firearm hunting is difficult for me because I'm, I'm usually in locations like I hunt, like you're hunting big woods and clear cuts and stuff. Right. And you're seeing them out there like me. I may be on a, I may be on a fence row that's joined in two sections of the woods and the shit can happen at any second. And like, I got everything ready to go, but it can, it can happen like that. And, uh, uh, you know, in a blink of an eye. And, and if you don't take the shot opportunity and not worry about filming it, you may lose the shot opportunity, you know? Right. Um, but I just, it kind of pissed me off because I'm not one to, I I don't rag on people for what they want to shoot. You can shoot whatever you want, but when it's like, man, this was actually, I hadn't killed a buck in three years. And then I finally shoot a good one. And then the neighbor guy's like, well, you know, we're never going to get huge bucks around here if we're shooting these all the time. It's like, you know what? Fuck you, dude. Go back to your, go back to whatever you were doing and, and leave us alone. Cause we're celebrating and having a good time, you know, and it's like, whatever, dude. Um, but yeah, stuff like that bothers me. You're going to have that with a lot of people. And honestly, as your channel starts to grow and you get more people viewing it, you're only going to have more of it. You know, and it's a, it's a, it's a healthy ratio. You know, you have people that are, that are going to, you know, join on and start following you that they're like, wow, I, I'm so glad I found this channel. Great. I love your content. Mm-hmm. You know, then you're going to have other people that are like, why are you showing that people shouldn't be feeling good about shooting a spike corn? It's like, well, it's none of your business. You know, yeah. hunting is hunting is uh, it's an individual quest, you know, and it's so it's, it's held to everyone's individual standards. And that's why I love deer camp. As I always say, deer camp is a, it's a single, you know, it's a, it's a loner's pursuit within a collective, you know, everyone's at camp, but they're doing their own thing. And it means something different to everyone. And like you said, you know, I don't like when people are doing that. If they have different standards that, you know, then that's fine. I have a certain goal that I set out to every single year during deer season, you know, like this year I wanted to kill a four and a half year old deer. Believe me, I worked my butt off. I, I, I had cameras out in the woods. I was scouting. I mean, you name it. I was I was fully invested. I didn't even see a four and a half year old on his foot hoof this year. Okay, mm-hmm. all of bow season in Michigan, all of rifle season here in Michigan. Never saw a four and a half year old. Um, had very few. I think like, like I was telling you, I had like maybe two on camera. I go down to Ohio for two days and I shoot a hundred thirty five inch deer, and it's right. just like, you know, it, it's it's almost discouraging. But you have to be realistic with what your expectations are going into the season. And I know I know what I'm capable of because I know the amount of time that I invest into deer hunting, uh, right. specifically on public land. It's going to be a different game than someone trying to hold or grow deer on a on a 40 acre parcel. Um, so their expectations are going to be different. I'm not the person to judge what they're doing because I don't do it. Same right. thing with someone judging what I do. You know, I've had people say like, "Oh, that's a tiny buck." I'm like, "Okay, well, you come over here to Michigan, you know, and you yeah, that buckaroo, yeah, you know, come come exactly. on out, try shooting yeah. three and a half year old deer on public land. Good luck." Yeah, let me let me see how that works out yeah. for you. Anyone that wants, I, they know, they know how hard it is. So they usually yeah. it's just like, "Hell yeah, man, good job. You got you 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 succeeded. Good job." Well, I'm a, and I I know you can probably attest this too. I mean. There's bucks that I should have killed that were that were, you know, the one, right? Like yeah. like I've had encounters out there where I just somehow just screwed it up, you know, and yeah. it's like everything like you do everything right and then somehow like the opportunities right there in front of you got a giant standing there in bow range and it's like you know everything's working but the the adrenaline and everything gets to you so bad and I I I couldn't tell you how many times I've screwed it up on big. Now I've killed some good ones. But 
I've really screwed it up on some big ones. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, it's just some of that shit still haunts me. And I'm like, man, if whatever I did wrong, if I could just have that one arrow back, you know, yeah. but I've that's the beauty of it. And that's what, man. that's what keeps you coming back too, you know, yeah. and that's just, that's just part of it. Now we'll get into another quick topic here. We're, we're on an hour and 20 minutes. Um, what, what, how do you feel about baiting? Cause we used to, now me growing up, we used to legally be able to bait. You know, and I, I've grown up hunting in the thumb. Like, that's yep. where I've hunted pretty much my whole life. I have bounced around some other areas, but I hunt the thumb more than anything. And, uh, you know, since baiting hasn't been legal for quite a while, it definitely changes some things. Now, and I grew up baiting deer, right? And that was just uh, all I knew, right? I mean, shit, we grew up road hunting. So it's like, now you you couldn't get away even riding around stopping and looking at deer without somebody calling the DNA right. on you. But these are, times are just different. But when it comes to baiting, um, I'll give you my opinion. I like the baiting aspect of it. Um, I, and, and I get there's a lot of personalities out there that that aren't for it. But when I for me, I grew up being able to legally bait. And it just gives the opportunity to go out and, and not saying th there's nothing wrong with like whether it's a feeder or this. Or that. I mean, okay. to me, putting in a food plot is essentially baiting. Yeah, it's more work. You're 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 plowing in a, a product, you know, you're plowing in a crop to draw the deer in. But all you're doing is you're trying to draw the deer in. It's just like putting in these these ponds. You know, guys are putting in these plastic ponds so the deer have somewhere to drink water where there may not be a great water source. I mean, it's essentially baiting. Yeah. but we can't legally bait in the lower peninsula. And it's something I would, I think it was the EHD or the CWD or some, something somebody came up with that decided we can't bait anymore. But when, when it was CWD. Look, okay. Yep. So, so, so when you look at it and so like I grew up hunting crop farms and these deer are eating off, no matter whether you have a bait pile or not, they're eating off the same ear of corn in the cornfield. They're eating off the same stock in the soybean field that one just finished eating off of. This one came behind them. They're, they're looking at the same branches underneath or above the, scrapes. Right. They're, they're chewing on the same sugar beets, you know what I mean, that are in the field. Um, but to me, it just, it, it creates more opportunity, right? So it creates more opportunity to want to, okay, economically, people are selling bait, you know, whether it's gas station or Joe Blow, you can go give them 25 bucks. They'll give you a, a tractor scoop in the back of your truck or sugar beets, you know, whatever it is. But then it's creating more opportunity for people to go deer hunting and be able to go whether or not you kill a deer off the bait pile. But it's just for the entertainment purpose of yeah. knowing knowing you're going to see something because something's going to come in that that time window right before dark, yeah. you know, type of thing and, and be able to shoot a deer. And I think it's a great way to bring kids into hunting as well, because, you know, if I were to take my kid out deer hunting right now on the state land, she would get a, a rugged uh, experience as far as because you may not see shit for yeah. days and days and she ain't gonna want to keep going back you know what i mean right. so when i grew up hunting we had bait piles and it was it, it was entertaining to me and, and it made me want to go back right but now that that's been stripped for quite a while i know i just feel like to me i think um i think it would it would i just think they need to make it legal again i mean they're allowing it in the up and i think areas like where you live that, i mean that's the snow belt up there right like mm -hmm. you should legally be able to throw out some bales of hay all winter long if you want to do to help with whether it's a local herd or, or whatever yeah to help to help the herd survive throughout the winter and then it be legal to deer hunt over yeah no i'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat i i, I one thing i uh, the reason why I'm, I'm so against the baiting band is how they got it passed it was based off total bs and mm -hmm. 
And believe me, I was one of the first, you know, because at that point my channel had, had gotten, you know, I had gotten quite a bit of followers. So people wanted to know my opinion on it. And I grew right. up baiting too, but I, I haven't really baited since 2012. I mean, that was kind of the year that I said, you know what, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn to do this the way that I don't need to go out and put bait out. And, and I had right. nothing against baiting. Right. And I, to this day, I do not have anything against baiting. Do I use it? If it was legal tomorrow, would I use it? Probably not. Just because of the way that I hunt, I move around so right. much, you know. Um, but I have absolutely nothing against it. In fact, if you want to get young people uh, involved in hunting, that's the best way. Either put them over a food plot or put them over a bait pile. And they can make a good ethical shot. They can settle in. They can do what they need to do in order to perform the task to harvest that animal as, animal as quick as possible. Right. And on top of that, you know, the reason why I was I grew up um, baiting was because, you know, my dad was a paraplegic or is a paraplegic, you know, and that was the only way he was going to be able to hunt. You know, we had to be able to wheel him from either his, you know, the golf cart or the snowmobile, whatever he used to ride back there to the blind. And it, we usually park, you know, within 30 yards of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he wasn't able to get to these areas where you, you know, you see me out in the marsh or over a clear cut. I mean, that's just not possible. So a bait pile offered people with limited mobility, uh, the opportunity to attract deer to a spot where they could harvest it and make a good shot too. Um, and not only that, you learn so much about deer. Some of my favorite memories of, of deer hunting when I was younger was when I would hunt with my dad, he always loved muzzleloader season. I'd be hunting over bait and you would just see these deer come in that where were these deer in you know all October, all November, and then all of a sudden here they come. Well, it's because they need to eat, you know, they're getting ready right. for the winter. But it was so cool because you'd see, you know, they they'd either lay down next to it or something. And I always had a little peephole that I would look out, you know, it was about yay big, and I'd sit there and I'd be looking out the you know, the freaking mildewed particle board that we'd use to make these box blinds, and I'd be sitting there, you know, it'd smell like tobacco spitting there and <sighs> You'd be eating a bologna sandwich and drinking some hot chocolate and some deer out there munching on some sugar beets. I mean, it, it, that is in no way the way that I hunt today right. or would I go back to that. Right. But I, I tell you what, that some of the best memories I ever had. I just loved watching deer. It didn't right. matter what it was. And, you know, and that afforded, a, it affords a lot of people the opportunity to, 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 to continue deer hunting, to have a, a worthwhile, uh, chance of actually harvesting a deer really mm -hmm. um and it's the best way it's the best best method you know of, of killing a deer and making a good ethical shot is when you can sit there and watch it and wait till it gets broadside you know if you're a right. father or a mother and you're you're coaching your, your your child to you know shoot this deer they have as much time as they need to settle in and make a good shot and right. you know because ultimately hunters have a higher respect for the life of these animals you know i mean we do. That's why we love them. We yeah. love these animals, you know, and some people think, well, why would you kill them? Well, because, because we understand the value of their life. That's why we're okay with taking it. You know, mm -hmm. every other time of the year, you know, you're looking at fawns like, oh, there's a little fawn. He's a cute little bugger, you know, or you're looking at a mom with her, with her fawns and you're like, you know, you're just kind of hoping she makes it through the winter or something, or, you know, you like seeing pictures of deer, you know, hunters have a great value for the animals that they pursue. And, Part of it is like the last part of it that's you know i guess the most thrilling you know unless that's you know I, your goal or whatever but yeah it's 
I don't have any issue with hunting over bait, I guess, to bring right. it all back. And if it was legal today, I probably still wouldn't do it. I'd may set right. up spots for people to go hunt, you know, but right. I wouldn't do it myself. But I, I totally believe it should be legal. Yeah. Just, it's just more opportunity, I feel. And so I'm gonna, I want to ask you this question. So it, it, we're, we're going to finish it on this. And maybe we can get, we can carry on to this topic. We, we can segue into it to another one. We'll, well, you know, I'll get with you and we'll see what kind of time we got. Uh, you know, maybe hop on here again and talk more about it. But um, one thing I've noticed now, I really love cell cams. I love the, like, I love the ingenuity of the cell cam. I love how far trail cameras have come. But I, talk to a lot of young hunters and you want to know the one thing that keep keeps them out of the woods they ain't got a big buck on camera ain't got a big buck on camera ain't worth going out i ain't got a big buck on camera and that's like it's like heart it it, it i'm gonna say it breaks my heart i mean it doesn't but that's the only word i can come up with right now or analogy but it's like man when i was your age i didn't have cameras you know and i had no idea what i was like you were going off a rub on a tree it's like man this has got to be a big buck right like i remember when the first cell cam came out and it was the fucking rollout film yeah <laughs> uh, you know you put the camera film in it and i'm like so now these kids can just go put cameras out and don't get me wrong i love the idea of cell cams and how far you know deer hunting has come but i feel like it might be uh it really affects now the kids are buying licenses they want to hunt they want to do this they want to do that but i i look at these kids when they're saying it and they're just like oh yeah you know it's like they're down on their luck or they're not going to shoot a deer it's like dude just because you you don't have one on camera you have no idea what's walking behind the tree or over this way or over that way yeah you may have strategically placed your camera in a spot but honestly it don't mean shit and but it it's preventing them from wanting to go hunting, going out and having that experience. Even though they're a hunter and want to go hunting, it's preventing them from going out in the woods. Like, well, I got nothing good on camera. There's no reason I should go sit. So I, I don't, and I know some, some states have banned them and, and are continuing to ban uh, trail cameras in general. I'm not, I'm not for banning them, but I just think there's a, there's, there's starting to, I'm starting to see a disconnect with like young hunters not wanting to go out into the woods because they don't have, you know, and it's how, how easy is it now for you and me? It's like, I mean, I don't know how old you are. I'm 36. So for me, it's like, I'll be 34 it, Wednesday. Okay. So it's like, Oh, perfect. A camera, a picture came through. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just an awesome feeling to get that. But when you're, when you're putting this on the young generation where you're just like, just get out there and go hunt here, here's a bow tree stands already hung just get out there and go sit there and then well we ain't got nothing good on camera i don't want to go hunt so i'm just going to hang out in the house it's like no man you got you got to go just yeah. go out there so i don't know how if it's going to have a negative impact you know kind of moving forward or not or what the the laws are gonna if they're ever going to change i'm all for them but mm. there's just one thing i've noticed is uh the younger generation is is it's starting to take a toll on them as far as getting them out in the woods and just going to hunt you know yeah, and, and I totally agree with you. And it, but anytime I try to criticize like someone else or the next generation, I always before I even open my mouth, I kind of look back on myself and what my own experience was. And if we if we're if we're saying that if we're saying, well, it's kind of making these younger generations disconnect, 
what what would our you know say our fathers or our grandfathers say about us hunting from tree stands and saddles and having right. range finders i mean they would have been like god you know we used to just sit on a bucket in front of a you know a runway and call it good that's what we <laughs> right. did we right. didn't have all this fan so i mean i still camo, do that you know? sometimes i still <laughs> do that sometimes i've done it yeah i've done yeah. it but you know it's uh i guess it, and that goes back to i guess what i was saying is you know the hunting experience is it's uh it's different for each individual right mm -hmm. and yeah you're gonna see you know the next generation coming in they're more inclined to technology i mean you see three-year-olds with that know how to run a tablet better than we would and it's just like what you know yeah. so of course that's gonna bleed over into in a hunting as technology advances but right. is 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 our cell cameras um are they kind of uh, having an effect on the way people hunt absolutely uh, I will say this, and my experience uh, last year, I put a camera in a spot that uh, was, and I, I kid you not, was the only spot that I could find last year that had any acorns. And I put a camera in there thinking, oh, this is going to be money. There's no acorns anywhere else. This is going to be money. So I put it in there and I had like a four and a half year old 10 point coming in and I had him during daylight three days during rifle season and a handful of days throughout bow season lucas i got every single picture of every squirrel every possum every snowflake falling every tree blown in the wind i did not know that buck was there until i went and pulled it before elk season that our december elk hunt up here i went and pulled that camera and those pictures have never been sent to me but it never stopped sending the other pictures just the really? picture of those deer and from oh. then on, I said, absolutely not. I actually went back to using standard SD cameras. And okay. I started treating a lot of cell cameras like standard SD cameras. Right. You know, I, ru I run almost 30 cameras a year. I mean, between okay. elk, bear, deer, and all that, you know. And I, I stopped relying on cell cameras like that. I really did. And, uh, it, and I know a lot of people that kind of fall into that. They're like, oh, I haven't seen a deer. You know, no deer have come through. I'm like, you realize you're looking at a space that is maybe 50 feet wide and like 50 feet long that you're expecting a deer to come through yet you, they have the entire woods around you that you could shoot right. to that right. you're never getting them on camera. And I think people, they, they lose sight of that, you know, so it's very easy to put a camera out there and just wait for your phone to send you a notification. But right. in that process, we're also losing a lot of the, uh, say a lot of the attention to detail that uh, uh, an avid woodsman, not just a hunter or an angler, a woodsman uh, would, you know, be apt to. We're losing that with the newer generation because they're so inclined to lean on technology to find deer. And yeah, it's going to change the way people hunt. Uh, but like I said, you know, as long and like you said, as long as they're buying a license and they're still going at it, I mean, whatever, they have a voice, they have, you know, they can throw their name in the hat and, you know, they can have a voice too, but right. they just may not experience deer hunting the way other people who are doing it differently will. Right. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned, uh, uh, just sitting on a bucket over a runway. Cause I mean, I still do that. I mean, not necessarily, yeah. I'll just hunker down in a fence row. You know, if somebody's like, yeah, just go out here and just hunker down. It's like, all right, I'll go perfect. <laughs> you know, and just yeah. sit and wait for one to run by. I mean, that's just what it's about. Um, yeah. Imagine when these high powered scopes started coming out, people were probably, you know, Older generations were probably going, why do you need that? You got iron sights. Well, now yeah. I can shoot a deer 200 yards across the marsh. 
Oh, I can still remember when they legalized rifle and shotgun hunting out of a tree stand. Because yeah. I was, it, it happened in our lifetime. Like you never, you, yeah. you couldn't always do that. But I remember when it happened, my dad groaning about it. You know, oh, guys are up in these tree stands with guns down and everything else. And he was the classic, just hunker down somewhere and wait it out. And that's how I grew up hunting, you know, just go with him and we'd hunker down somewhere. And, um, you know, but now it's, it's become just a way of life, you know, with, yeah. um, you know, and the safety of tree stands have come a long ways. These ladder stands, like if people want to get elevated and do it safely, a ladder stands, like one of the easiest, best ways to get into it. Especially yeah. if you got a piece of land that is either private or even public, if you can hike it back there and um, set it up and just have your spot ready to go, you know. And I mean, shit, the one I killed this year was out of a ladder stand, and um, it's not usually my choice, but when that's your only option, yeah, gotta do I'll what you gotta it. do. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. I'm a. I'm gonna end this. Um, I'll get with you. I'll get with you. Um. I try to do shit like this once a month, you know, so maybe we can get together. I know ice fishing's coming up. Um, I don't know what kind of plans you got. I had a bunch of video clips pulled up here. I was going to show, but I mean, shit, we're an hour and 30 minutes in and, uh, already um, Holy yeah, hell. hour and 36. <laughs> so here I'll share one. I'll share one before we go, because, uh, my next live, I want to get into doing a little, I want, I want to do more ice fishing or, uh, deer hunting stuff, you know, talking deer hunting and stuff. Cause it's a passion of mine. But I yep. do want to share one of your videos from, I think it was last year, um, Epic Day. Epic Day. <laughs> yeah. Like a reef. Connected to some deeper water, so that's what I'm going to be You went about. lake trout fishing and yep. walleye fishing in one day. Yep. Well, you'll see. I've actually it, never really fished this spot. You can see the Mackinac Bridge in the background. That is. I think I pulled <laughs> out here underneath the bridge and everything for... Uh, salmon and lake trout in the summertime but i've never never ice fished it but if you look at uh a lot of the topple or the uh lake maps you'll see that you know the whole straits area here has a lot of rock reefs um you know and they plant a lot of lake trout in lake huron in lake michigan so if you look at like from saint ignace all the way to like Nobinway, i mean coming out there's just a bunch of reefs, rock reefs and shoals, and that's all great structure. And guess what? There's a ton of lake trout in there and presumably other fish as well, possibly, uh, you know, white fish, maybe some walleyes. Um, and even the uh, southern part of the Straits here, you know, if you're looking at from Sheboygan all the way up to the bridge and then the bridge all the way down and extending to Wagashant's Point or even out to Beaver Island. It's all rock reef. It's great structure. Maybe not all rock reef, but there a large majority of it is. So if you guys aren't, <laughs> you got to check out uh, Alvin's channel because that was one of the coolest videos um, that I remember from. That was last season, right? Uh, no, two years ago. No, two actually, years ago. I actually didn't put out any ice fishing content last year. I didn't do too much of it. I uh, I tore my Achilles tendon, real, you know, so I was... I mm. did not do anything last winter. I was, if I was not, you know, at work, I was, I was somewhere with my feet up. Yeah. I tore okay. playing a, playing a basketball game and I forgot that I'm not 18 anymore. <laughs> I found that out about a, a month and a half ago. Me and the kid were at open gym and uh, yeah. I tweaked my back a little bit there. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm like trying to grab rebounds like Charles Barkley out there. And yep. <laughs> next thing you know, I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, Oh, oh, oh. 
No. Pain is the greatest educator, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, if you guys aren't, uh, you got to check out Alvin's channel and you go through his videos. But that's, uh, I had to scroll down a little ways to find that one, but I do remember it. And because uh, I was, I was live with, I think it was Old Minnow Boy. So that must have been, shit, that must have been two years ago. I might have been last year, but either way, we were we were talking about that video because I remember when he uploaded it. I was like, dude, he was he was like uh, Lake Michigan and then Lake Trouton and then went into uh, Saginaw Bay. But I didn't want to show, I didn't want to ruin the video. You guys got to watch it because there is some some pretty good catches in there as well. Yeah, my goal that day was to catch uh, a fish ice fishing out of two Great Lakes in the same day. I'm pretty sure I'm the only person to ever do that or at least I'm, i know i googled it i youtubed it i've ne never saw anyone do it. i said i'm gonna do this just for you know the sake but that goes back i live in the perfect place in michigan where i can do that i'm in a, you know an hour and 20 minutes from pen conning and you know mm -hmm. 30 minutes from the bridge so i i am truly blessed and spoiled in where i live yeah no i hear you there and i grew up uh again fishing the saginaw bakes i grew up in the thumb so i'm an east sider and fish the yeah. east side forever man uh youper rd youper rd has been on my channel he's been around since day one um he put some pretty cool videos up man he'd had a awesome pike spear last year uh but he said wait till you're 64 it gets better yeah <laughs> i'm halfway there oh just over halfway <laughs> yeah i'm already I'm feeling saying. it <laughs> yeah i was thinking about that the other day i'm like man i'm just be 37 in april so i'm you know, whatever every day is closer to 40 but i remember growing up and thinking 40 was old you know and now i'm just like yeah. oh i'm not no way 40 it's pretty not bad old. it's pretty <laughs> bad when your motivation to get out of bed in the morning really early is because if you sleep any longer your body's going to be too sore to get out of bed yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> better get up and have that coffee <laughs> all right get something going yeah you bet all right, buddy. Well, I appreciate your time. Hey, go Lions, yeah. go Blue. Yeah, go Blue, right go here. Lions. Thanks a lot for having me on. It's uh, yeah. been yeah. a long time coming. Stay in touch. Maybe you can sneak up here do some ice fishing. Oh, I, I want to. All Trust right, me. I, that's definitely uh, – we're going to work that out. I want to I wanna catch lake trout to the ice. So that's like a, something I well, really want to do. it freezes over, but if not, we could probably go to one of the inland lakes. I get into them there, just not the size. That's fine. Yep. All right, buddy. I appreciate the time. I'll be in touch. All right. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Have a good night. You, you too, man. See you. See ya.